What's up, boys and girls? What's up, world? You're listening to the Frank Cocky Podcast. And when I say hold yourself, I want all of you get ready to stop. I'm your host, Andrew Wilson. When I say stop, Hi everyone and welcome to episode 8 of series 2 of the Frank Cocky Podcast. I'm Andrew Wilson here with you every week and this week we're going to be doing something slightly different with the podcast. We're going to be doing a preview of all the World Cup teams for the Women's World Cup coming up in July. So over the next couple of weeks, I mean the next month or so, um, you're going to get uh, all your media outlets bigging up the process to the World Cup, bigging up the teams, looking at their... their um, their, their preparation as they come into the competition, especially uh, your home nation. So if you're living in Holland, you're going to get more information about Holland. You're in Argentina, more about Argentina, in the States, about the States, etc., etc. The idea of this podcast is that, um, given that it's the final episode and we're going to take a three-week hiatus um, as of next week, um, we want to give you a p- quick preview, quick lowdown of what the teams have been doing in 2018. We're going to have a look at um, the games that they've played. We're going to look at uh, the games that they've got coming up in the run-up to the World Cup. And we're just going to uh, give a couple of opinions about how we think their preparation's been going, what think their chances are for the World Cup, and hopefully to give you guys a better idea of where these teams are coming from, more from a, a coach's perspective uh, rather than just um, your, your local media outlets who will do a fantastic job in uh, getting recognition for the teams uh, in their own country, but may not necessarily go into as much detail about which games they're playing and what stages they're at when they got certain results and how that may affect the upcoming performance for the World Cup. So we're going to go group by group. There are 16 teams in the competition, uh, which is a slight change from uh, previous editions. We've now got an extra couple of teams playing. So there are four groups of four playing in this competition. For those of you who aren't aware, um, each team will play against all the other teams in their group once. Then the winner of that pool will go to the, the quarterfinal stage straight away. And second in the pool will cross over with a team from another group and... So that would be uh, Group A crossing over to Group B, Group C crossing over with Group D to get that second spot for their group in the in the quarterfinals. And teams that have finished third and fourth are eliminated and they go home. So you're looking at quite a change from previous competitions just off the bat. You've got um, teams that are going to be going home straight away after three games uh, because they haven't made the grade. Um, and then you've got an extra crossover games for teams that finish second in their group. Now, this is something that um, has been discussed at long lengths um, in the hockey community, especially if you listen to the the, uh, the Reverse Stick podcast. They discussed the, the idea about this four-group uh, pool section, uh, four-team pool section where everyone goes through to the quarterfinals and there's no jeopardy involved within the within the competition itself in the in the first stages so the games really don't have any value uh, to a greater or lesser extent so now with this new idea that two teams are going to go home you're going to get a big prize if you go through to the quarterfinals straight away because you you're not doing an extra game um you're not playing an extra game and then you're going to give someone an extra chance just to try and slide in there at the last moment. And then, of course, you step into the knockout stages. So you've got your, your quarterfinals, you've got your semifinals, and then your uh, medal-placed games. It's shaping up to be a fantastic competition, given that it's being hosted in England, who have a history since 2012, especially, of hosting some incredible hockey events. They're going from strength to strength every time they uh, they get... Um, they get to host these events and for spectators both at the venues uh, online the local broadcasting service for the team taking part for everyone involved in the organization it's going to be uh, a really fun couple of weeks being able to uh, do this world cup in london so we're going to get straight into the analysis of the different groups that are involved because that's why we're here 
Um, just to, as a bit of a caveat before, the the games that I'm going to be talking about, especially the upcoming games, are the games that are actually being shown on the FIH Match Centre at the moment. Of course, there will be countries that are playing games that aren't on that Match Centre, and that's and not many people know this because they don't need to know it. Um, countries will often play matches which aren't officially uh, classed as test matches. They're not put onto the FIH website and they're not games that players are given caps for. Now, that's sometimes because they don't want people to know that they're playing these games. Um, maybe they don't, they don't want the press to know uh, in certain situations. Maybe they, for budgeting reasons, they can't do, they can't meet certain requirements for uh, the FIH, so they don't play these games as official games. Or sometimes just uh, because of caps. There are some uh, countries that don't want them just because of the uh, the idea of uh, caps. There are some countries that really want every game to be uh, capped. They want it to be an official game so that they can demonstrate they are playing games for the for the purposes of. Um, the the budget uh, that they have to present uh, for the following year. Just some just some general ideas about why, for example, I'll be talking about some games and maybe you know of others that are being played, but I don't because they're not on the system. Or maybe I know of some games being played that you don't know of. So we're going to start with Pool A. Start at the beginning. We've got China, Italy, Holland, and Korea. Now, China have had an interesting time of it um, over the last six months uh, or six to nine months because they changed their staff. Uh, as we know, we had Jamie Mulders on, who is now the head coach. Uh, I don't. I believe it might be the first time they've had a European head coach, and. The the processes that they've been going through since Jamie took over last November definitely reflect the way that he uh, likes to coach. As we heard in the podcast, he's been rotating the squad from uh, test series uh, to test series, from competition to competition. Uh, he sometimes divided the squad uh, in two because they've had uh, two close competitions together. For example, they had the Asian Cup and the Round 4 back in 2017. And they sent two different squads to those two competitions. So their preparation up to the World Cup, or up until now especially, has been experimenting and giving opportunities to lots of young players. Now, that's definitely reflected in their results because we saw back in uh, back in Brussels summer last year in the round three, they had uh, they got a fantastic result. They um, they finished I believe they finished second in in that competition and uh, playing Holland in the final and although their group stage wasn't spectacular they really turned it on when it mattered in the quarterfinals semifinals and final uh, obviously losing out to Holland in the final but having a fantastic uh, elimination stage and that's exactly what those competitions back back last year were your group stages didn't matter so you had to turn it on when it counted and they did exactly that. Now, from that point on, you could really see the influence that Jamie had about developing a squad for the future by chopping and changing the team. In the Asian Cup, they lost out uh, to India on shootouts 5-4. They finished one all in regular time. And uh, we'll come on to that result for India later on. But for China, um, that was another decent result, getting to a final, narrowly missing out, especially with such a young squad. Going on to the round four, uh, not long afterwards, they finished rock bottom. But of course, playing with a young squad and the round four traditionally was mm, a week of just testing and blooding new players into the system. And you can you could see that with the squad selections. It's no secret. And there are and there are coaches who will say this is where we're testing players because, yeah, you get you get a couple of extra ranking points for finishing higher up. You get the kudos for winning. But in reality, the round threes are where you qualify for the big competitions, not the round four. So uh, China sending a young squad there finishing rock bottom doesn't really mean too much uh, uh, for the future. 
And then we come into 2018, where they've played, I believe they've played 11 games so far, games that I know of. So they came out to Spain, and uh, we played against them in four games, and there were three draws and they and, and a loss for China in that series. Very hotly contested. Um, I can say, because I was actually there uh, with the team in those games, and you look at the the skills that some of these players have, the pace that they have on their counter-attacks, the, the incredible control of balls that are being flashed uh, high, across, uh, high across the pitch, and they're just trapping them like I haven't seen before. But in tight moments, you could see that they were lacking the experience to close out games or to press on when needed or just to manage certain situations. Then um, from Spain, they then moved over to Belgium and they probably had a similar experience. They lost the two games, 3-2 and 2-1 to Belgium. And I'm guessing, and I haven't seen these games, I'm guessing they had a similar experience. Belgium probably would have played uh, their normal system of half court as they did, uh, which uh, gotten so much more, so much success in the Europeans last year um, and uh, probably pressed at times. But I'm guessing that China probably had a similar experience, very competitive, but maybe didn't know how to manage certain situations. And then we come on to the Champions Trophy, uh, or the Asian Champions Trophy, played a couple of weeks ago, where um, they... They had some a mixed bag of results. They they beat Malaysia three one, then lost to India three one. They beat uh, they then lost to Korea three one. They beat Japan two 0 and then they beat Asia in for the bronze medal two 0 um, in that final game. Again, speaking to Jamie, um, they took again lots of young players to keep blooding them in to keep uh, rotating the squad just thinking about the next few years that they've got coming up and I think a 2-0 win against Malaysia at the end was probably correct so given the standards of, of the two teams and I think just the results in that in that group stage just show that they're capable of doing some really good things and you could see it in their game but again they just uh, I mean they were they they were better than they were back in uh, back when they came to Europe uh, for those test matches, but still finding their feet. Now, for their upcoming games, as of today, I'm recording on the on Thursday, seventh of June. For those of you who are picking this up in the future, all I can see they got four games coming up. That's the four nations in Holland at the same time as the Men's Champions Trophy, where. They'll be playing a game against Holland, a game against Japan, a game against Spain, and then a a medal-placed game. So a, another game against one of those three teams. And apart from that, there are no official games on, on the website for them. So leading into this World Cup um, in 2018, they're playing 15 games in total over seven months. And you almost guess you know, because the World Cup finishes at the end of, uh, starts at the end of July, you're almost looking to almost seven and a half months uh, with only 15 games amongst each other. However, if you look at China and the system that they've got with their professional club structure, I believe Jamie said they've got 12 teams who are all 12 teams are professional 24/7. Uh, the national team will be supported by that structure and will also have a very uh, a very good training regime in place to make sure that they're they're gonna be they're gonna be tough competitors. But as Jamie said, what they need are games. Now they've had a competition this year. Um they've had as well as that competition, they've had another um, uh six games plus four coming up. Will that be enough for them to to learn how to manage eleven v eleven game situations? I'm sure that they've been playing inter-squad games in China. Uh, they probably had maybe a couple of games that we don't know about, and they may get a couple more when uh, when they come over to Europe for the World Cup. We'll have to wait and see. I think in that group um, they got with Korea, Holland, and Italy. It's going to be it's going to be a, uh, a tough job to get that. I think that second spot. I think we everyone can understand 
Um, and everyone is probably aware that Holland will probably take that hot that, that top spot, even though I'm sure Alison and the girls would uh, would contest that. Um, uh, but when you're looking, you've got a team like Korea, who we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, who have had some very solid performances over the last 12 months, even though their preparation uh, isn't um, as rich as other nations in the in the fact they maybe don't play so many games into the build-up we don't have many days of training beforehand we'll come to that in a minute but they're still going to be tough and Italy if they play anything like they did last year they're going to be very tough uh, to take on uh, especially to break down and talking of Italy let's move on to to them I currently know uh, because I was just checking out social media earlier on um, I currently know they are training because uh, um, one of their players, Jasbir Singh, used to play for Club Agara. Uh, so, of course, we follow each other on Instagram. And uh, she did a couple of Insta stories showing they were they were training today. Um, so they're into their first, I'm guessing, their first camp. Um, and if we look back at their performance last summer... In international competition or world international competition, you look at the round three that they played, and they were really solid. Their goalkeeper was fantastic. She was keystone for them um, in not conceding in many moments where they could have conceded goals. She did some. She had some good shootouts, uh, and I know from experience because they beat us uh, in the fifth sixth uh, playoff, and that's how they got their direct qualification for the for the World Cup, uh, beating us. They were winning 1-0. We drew in the last couple of minutes and then they beat us on shootouts. Now, if they base their game, especially around uh, Chiara Didi, uh, Chiara uh, played many years in Spain um, and she's been playing in Belgium, I believe, and he's just signing for Kampong in the Dutch League, I think, as a, as a centre-back this year. If they base their game around her, uh, around a couple of players who are Spanish champions this year, like Isabella, uh, Elisabetta Pachella, uh, Virginia Gonzalez, uh, and uh, forgive me, I can't remember, this, uh, number 32 playing for Real Sociedad, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name right now. Um, they were Spanish champions last week, playing similar type of hockey to how Italy played last year. Uh, quite... Um, defensive but not sitting as far back and uh, as compact maybe as uh, Belgium but they were tough to break down especially in their 22 metre uh, zone and if they can play like that in the World Cup they're going to really put especially China and Korea to the test I think Holland will find it tough but they should overcome them um, now as I mentioned um they they've got a couple of players who are playing around Europe, so they're picking up different experiences outside of Italy, whose domestic competition maybe isn't as strong or well recognised uh, as as the as the different uh, top European leagues. Um, as I said, they've got a couple of girls who are recently Spanish champions, so they're going to be euphoric uh, in the build up to this World Cup. But as far as I'm aware, they haven't played any games this year. Now I'm guessing they may have they have had a couple of camps, but officially on the match centre, no games in 2018. But they've got seven coming up, so they're going to play three against Scotland next week. They got a game against uh, no, sorry, two games against Germany on the 30th of June and the 1st of July, and then they got a three nations with Ireland and Chile uh, in the second week of July. So their build-up is based around, probably it seems to be around club season, and then we'll get together and we'll just pl- and we'll play seven games. We'll do a couple of and we'll train together. I don't know how much time they have off. I don't know how long those training camps will be, um, but it's it looks like a, a decent run-up. Maybe uh, the rankings of the opposition then they're playing against isn't as high as other countries that we're going to talk about right now. We talked about China who are playing Holland, Japan, and Spain, um, but you've got some some tough competitors in Scotland, Germany, Ireland, and Chile, who 
if Italy are clever with the way they manage those games, and if they have if they're clear in the way that they want to play, then actually the opposition they play against probably doesn't matter to them. If they're going to play like they did in the round three, and they're not going to adapt too much to an Asian side or to um, uh, a European side, then um, I'm guessing that that preparation might be good enough for them. And finally, in Group A, we come to Holland. Now, of course, given the results that they had last year in 2017, everyone's expecting them to be favourites for this, uh, this upcoming World Cup. Of course, everyone knows this is sport and that's not the case. You can look back on past experiences uh, or past results and you can try and make predictions, but there are so many factors that come into winning a game of hockey that you can never be sure who's going to win. And that was shown in the, the final four in Spain this week. Six games that went down to goals in the last second of the game. Six games, men's and women's. And anything can happen. And, and the supposed favourites don't always win. All that being correct and uh, and truthful, we have to say that Holland have had an amazing turnaround since 2015-2016. Um, losing out in two major finals, uh, one in each year, in the Europeans losing out to England and in the uh, Olympics then losing out to GB, both on shootouts. Now, the change that Alison Anand has brought around in that squad is fantastic. Um, now, they, a couple of players retired after Rio New players coming in. In my opinion, I think that was one of the fundamental changes. Uh, getting rid of players who, or getting rid of uh, players moving on who were supposedly the the stars of that team, but perhaps weren't actually heart and soul of the team. Now we know Allison as one of the greatest players of all time. And those of you who knew her when she played, you knew how fierce of a competitor she was. And competing is not necessarily the same as playing well. Now, this Dutch team competes incredibly well. And that is a potent combination because uh, as well as competing well, they got some really good players on their team. And they they seem to be working for each other. They know what needs to be done at the right time. Of course, they're playing in the best domestic league in the world, hands down. So their preparation this year, as is every year, is very limited in the time that they have together. And the games they play uh, are few and far between. They often have a camp at the beginning of the year. For example, this year they played four games against um, against the USA. Winning all four of them, they won 4-0, 7-2, 7-1 and 2-1. Now, apart from that, they've had no other games this year. Now, we know that they, Holland not being a huge country, they can get together and they can train uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday together and they go back with their clubs. I'm not exactly sure what their setup is this year, uh, but normally it's something similar to, to as, I, as, as I just mentioned. You get these players... Uh, training together each uh, once or twice a week, doing recovery sessions together, doing corner sessions together, getting to know each other. You've got Alison who will be making sure that they are on point with their competitiveness, with their values, with how they're going to win this next World Cup. And that was demonstrated throughout the entirety of 2017, where I think they won every single game they played, or at least they didn't lose. Uh, game um, now their game's coming up you're looking at a game against Canada next week then a Four Nations at the end of June which we mentioned previously um, and that's going to be held alongside the Men's Champions Trophy where China, Japan and Spain are going to be playing so that's three games plus a medal placed game and then they're going to be playing another Four Nations tournament with New Zealand, Germany and Argentina. So their build-up is with a whole mix of types of teams. They've got Europeans, they've got Asians, they've got South Americans, uh, um, they, and they've got, uh, uh, the, uh, they've got New Zealand from Oceania. And they've also previously played against North Americans. 
So they played against all types of competition, uh, all types of teams except African teams this year. Uh, of course, the only African team they may come up against will be South Africa later on in the competition because of the, because of the competition they're not going to cross over in quarterfinals. It would probably be in semi-finals if anything. Um, so it's unlikely that they're going to uh, face off against each other. I would think. Um, well, the, the possibilities are lower. Um, now, they have uh, some interesting games coming up against top top opposition with um, especially that second four nations looking at Argentina, Germany and New Zealand. New Zealand uh, coming into their own. Uh, we've seen that in the Commonwealth Games. We've seen that in the round four. We've seen that last year in the round three. We've seen it in uh, test series and tri-nations that they've been playing. They're really stepping up their game, especially with uh, Mickelson uh, just dominating that team with the um, with the um, Anita McLaren coming back in. They're doing really well. But then, of course, you've got Argentina, who another another one of the favourites in that uh, to win the World Cup who again, we'll come on to them later, again are playing really well. And you've got Germany, top opposi- top Euro, or top European opposition. You've got Spain, we're pretty good European opposition as well. Um, and then you've got uh, two Asian teams in Japan and China. They've got a pretty solid uh, build-up to the World Cup and there is no question that they're going to be competing for medals at the end. And the final group on our list in Group A is Korea. Now, Korea... Um, traditionally, so as I'm told, often come into competitions like the the Olympics and the round three, having done three or four days preparation, and that's it. Uh, literally nothing else. They have a three or four day camp, they fly, and they compete. Now, if that's the case, if that's true, and please, someone get in touch with me if, if I'm wrong, because I'd love to know. It would be fascinating to know how they prepare. Their results are amazing and their performances are incredible just look at the the round three last year in brussels they finished fourth having done three or four days preparation they finished third in the round three that's third playing the top eight nations in the world in the asian cup they finished third as well and they just won the asian champions trophy now for those Asian-based competitions, I don't know if they perhaps have more preparation time, uh, given that it's in their own continent. But the 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 performance they get for supposedly having done so little preparation is outstanding, and they are a very difficult team to play against. I mean, so far this year, in 2018, they've played three games against India that we know of, uh, three games that we know of. They played, they won 2-1, they lost 3-1, and they drew one all with India. Now, uh, they, they played India several times because of the Asian Champions Trophy as well. They played twice in that. So that's five games against India so far this year. And given that they're in Group A and Group B in the World Cup, they could play against each other again. Uh, either in the crossover game or maybe in a quarter final, so um, the two teams that know each other very well, and uh, could be a very different story when we get to the World Cup because we've seen in this Champions Trophy that I mean Korea beat Malaysia three one, they um, they drew one all with Japan, but then beat China three one, they drew with Korea one all, uh, they drew with India one all, uh, excuse me. And then they just beat them in the final 1-0. They just beat India 1-0 in the final. Now, say just because that's that's what the scoreline says. However, um, I feel, and uh, checking out the socials and the, the live chat on YouTube whilst, we were, whilst I was watching that final online, uh, live, um, it was quite obvious that India couldn't, or weren't giving more uh, in that game. They, could, they weren't really creating... Uh, too many attacking opportunities. And that's not to say that Korea did as well, but I just felt that Korea had more control over the game. Um, and that's that's something we'll come back to about India, about how they manage their competitions. Um, and But if we stick with Korea, their upcoming games, as of looking today, are zero. Now that goes back to what we were saying, their preparation for these competitions is often 
three or four days and they travel and they play. Now, I don't know what that uh, can be attributed to, but um, if you were if you were looking to make predictions about who would win that group and you look at the preparation these teams are having, you'd say well, Korea probably aren't going to be able to do much because I mean, they're not going to be they're not going to have rhythm. They're not going to uh, have um, the experience of playing games uh, within the last or within the two months. Two or two and a half months before the competition. However, you go to the competitions themselves and you see a different story. You see Korea really causing problems for teams uh, because again their keepers pretty handy. Uh, they've got their corner, their short corners are pretty well, uh, pretty well worked, and they defend their twenty-two quite well. And this is a recurring thing that I'm finding in. Uh, in the last year teams that are defending their circle and their 22 well and just nick a goal here or there uh, winning or getting quite far in competitions now looking at the, the list of games for that pool you've got uh, first up you've got China versus Italy on the 22nd of July now I think that'll be uh, a pretty I think that'll probably be a quite a tight game uh, because Italy will have the energy at the beginning of a competition uh, to be able to fend off China uh, but I think China will will just nick it. I think uh, in the following game that day you got uh, Holland against Korea. I think Holland will will step over Korea quite well. Um, I think Korea may need a game game and a half to get into the competition, given their lack, their supposed lack of preparation. Um, and then you're going five days later. You're looking at the next uh, round of games for them. Uh, you got China against Holland. Now I think. That'll be that'll be a close game, um, closer maybe than uh, previous games have been, um, because I think uh, Jammy, with his experience playing against Holland when he was with Germany, I think Ch- uh, he'll bring a more uh, veteran squad to the competition. Uh, I'm saying this without any inside knowledge. Um, I think that'll be a, a close game. But again, I think the Dutch will will take that game. Um, and then straight afterwards, uh, you're looking at eight o'clock in the evening, Korea against Italy. Now that will be probably won't be the highest scoring game. Uh, I think maybe the two most guarded teams in terms of their uh, systems of play, maybe the more defensive of of that pool uh, playing against each other. And I I don't know which way that will fall, um, given the the quality of some of the forwards that Italy have. I think they they could uh, cause some upsets uh, against uh, certain teams, and I think this may be one. Of them. I think Italy may may take that game, and or if not, at least draw it. And the final set of games for that pool, you got Korea against China. Um, again, I, in all the build up um, in the competitions uh, they played in champ in the Asian Cup, the in the Champions Asian Champions Trophy. And the round four, you'd say that Korea are going to take that. However, I don't think that will be the case. I think, uh, given that Jammy has had nine months at least with his team, I think China are going to beat Korea in that final group stage. Even though Korea will have had a bit of, bit more time to to get pace in into the into the competition, and of course the final game is the is Holland against Italy. Now, uh, even though it's game three and Italy will still be able to keep up the pace. I, I really think Holland's uh, just uh, are going to walk over them, and um, they're going to be confident with their first two. Well, I think first two wins. I think Italy, if they beat Korea, will be will be tough to break down. They'll they'll be really up to probably try and get a draw. Maybe do what uh, a similar system of play that Belgium did in the in the European final, sitting back. Uh, defending, 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 and just taking the opportunities to score when they come. And we know they have players who are very capable of doing that because they've done that in the Spanish league this year. But my prediction would be that uh, Holland to win the group, uh, Italy to finish bottom, and then the Korea-China game will decide, I think, who will take that uh uh, spot to go through to the crossover to then try and get into the quarterfinals.
So we're coming on to Group B, and we've got England, India, USA, and Ireland. Now, we're going to start with the host nation, England, who have an incredible advantage over everyone else because they're playing at home. Now, I think there are few nations who genuinely take advantage of the fact that they have a home competition, and England is one of them. I think when England hosts a competition, and it's been shown in the Euros in 2015, in the Olympic Games in 2012, the English hockey public go and watch them, and they get behind them 100%. And they really add something, an extra dimension to the team. And I think that will be key for those England girls um, when they play when they're playing this World Cup. Of course, they're one of uh, a few centralised teams who are competing in this competition. Um, now, they're also one of the sides who um, will play games that aren't necessarily publicised uh, on the uh, on the FIH Match Centre. Um, for whatever reason, I, I don't actually know, uh, and it's respectable, uh, I'm sure, whichever, whatever the reason is. Um, but so far, if we're looking back to last year's results, you've got third in the round three in South Africa beating Argentina, now, Argentina, having just changed coaches um, just uh, in the build-up to that competition, uh, Agus Corradini took over after winning the Junior World Cup um, out in Chile in 2016. Um, so he, that was, I believe that was his first competition with, uh, with the girls. Um, and England just uh, picked them in the, uh, in the, for the bronze medal. And that was, a, that was a, a, a very good performance by the girls there, uh, by the England girls there. And Argentina were pretty good, but England were just just edged it. And they got a fourth in the round four. And as you say, the round four is where teams are testing out all their squads and they're giving players rest time. They're giving players a chance to travel abroad and see what an international competition is. But fourth place is is very, very respectable uh, given the, the number of new players that were given uh, their opportunity in that competition. Now, we get into 2018 where the real preparation starts. They played five games against Argentina at the beginning of the year, and that's um, and that in that camp, I know that a lot of players were given uh, their first caps uh, or or their second or third cap, and you could see that reflected in the results and the teams that were selected each day. For example, you got a two-one loss on the first day, you got a three-one win, three-one uh, loss on the second day. 5-2 loss on the third day and then a 4-2 win on the fourth day and a 1-0 win in the fourth game so in the fifth game sorry um, so uh, three losses two wins um, I think you could tell um, when uh, when watching the games that there were some quite grave mistakes made um, at certain moments uh, by uh, by certain players, but that's why they're there. That's why they're doing these. That's why they're giving these opportunities to make those mistakes, so that when they get to the World Cup or to the next qualifying event or for the next Olympics, that they've got that experience. Um, I have to say, um, what I've I've watched all five of those games, and the the pace that these girls are able to to produce against. Argentina, Argentina, who are their number of actions per minute is through the roof, and England were able to match them for quite a lot of the majority of the games with lots of new players coming in, and that's testament to the fact they are uh, full-time centralized program, and the the way that Danny and his staff work with the girls and the, the effort the girls put in themselves has really shown in that test series. Now, then they went on to play in the Commonwealth Games. Um, again, uh, a testing ground for, for lots of these top nations. Um, they beat South Africa 2-0. They beat Wales 5-1. They then lost India 2-1. Um, they beat Malaysia 3-0. They drew with New Zealand in the semi-finals but lost out on shootouts. And then they beat India 6-0 in the bronze medal game. Again, um, I think it's a pretty standard competition for England there. Um, and coming up in, in the semi-finals, you always 
pretty much always going to play in recent years New Zealand, Australia, India or maybe South Africa in those semi-final games um, and to come up against New Zealand when they're just coming to a sweet, uh, sweet patch, sweet period, sweet moment um, of performance um, a nil-nil with uh, a relatively experimental squad and just narrowly missing out I think it was 2-1 on the shootouts uh, is uh, is well in line I think with with having a good World Cup although they would obviously have liked to get to the final uh, and possibly could have made it uh, we all know that uh, goals can go in goals cut or goals don't go in um, it happens um, now Officially, they've got no games coming up, just like Korea. Uh, they've officially got no games coming up. However, you look at social media and they're playing two games against Ireland. And they're playing one. I think they're playing right now whilst I'm recording. Um, they've also got two games against Spain uh, in two weeks' time because we're travelling to play against them. Um, so they, we know they've got four games. and We know they've played a couple prior to this. Um, well, and, well. Yeah, obviously in their preparation, but games coming up after today, officially none, but actually four and probably a couple more. Um, I think the other week they played against Marlow Hockey Club, uh, which they've done over the last couple of years as well. Um, now, again, if you're looking at preparation going into it, you say that England's uh, probably uh, haven't got the best preparation, but we know for a fact that's not the case. Um, and their performance will not be hindered by the fact that they play fewer games or more games. They're a full-time squad and they're going to be really, really, really geared up for this, especially because it's a home World Cup. Now, um, Team 2 is India, who have had, well, if you look at media, they've had a turbulent time over the last uh, 12 months because they've changed coaches. Uh, they had the instruction of uh, Shord Marina, who then moved over to the men's squad and Harendra Singh took took over the women. And then just a few weeks ago, well, maybe a month or two, they changed back. Um, so um, continuity in, in the actual person uh, who's leading that project uh, hasn't been there. However, um, their preparation has been pretty decent. Um, if we, and, and you can see that they've been getting better and better over the last 12 months. Because if you look at their round three, last year in South Africa they finished bottom mm, they finished bottom but then they, they won the Asian Cup in November now if you read articles uh, from uh, from the Indian press and you, you speak to people on social media who are in the know you know they are they're working pretty well uh, they've had two top coaches they have a top coach so they had Shord and then they had their engine and they got Shord again and both of those coaches are very good at what they do. And it'll be interesting to see how they step up for this World Cup because if we look at their 2018 results, they, as we mentioned earlier, they lost to Korea 2-1. They then beat them 3-1 and they drew one all of them in a three-test series. Um, so pretty uh, even spread of results there. Um, again, I don't know which what type of squads they took. I haven't seen those games. Then you go to the Commonwealth Games and, again, a very mixed bag of results. Um, they, they'd had the change of coach. Uh, they lost 3-2 to Wales in their first game, which was a big surprise. I saw the game uh, taking away no... or giving all credit to Wales and their performance uh, to get that 3-2 result. Um, India competed well but just perhaps uh, weren't quite uh, quite up for it in that game just looking at the game uh, not being in the context not being in there it's a very outside a very easy comment to make but then you go on and they beat Malaysia 4-1 they beat England 2-1 they beat South Africa 1-0 and then in the semi-final they lost 1-0 just 1-0 to Australia now that first game I think against Wales was a complete hiccup in their plans they beat England they beat South Africa and they narrowly lost out to Australia who we all know are a good side 
and whatever squad they take and they left certain players at home for that competition they're always a top quality side and it was a narrow loss but then of course in that final round uh, the final round of games the, the bronze medal England put six past them and it ended up 6-0 so you're looking at quite a mixed bag of results there you're looking at maybe first game maybe against uh, um a lower ranked team maybe their expectations were to get out, uh, to to beat them quite easily and bam 3-2 3-2 loss so that will be playing on their minds when they come into this first uh, first game of the competition and also going into that first game of competition they're going to be thinking about that 6-0 loss to England because the first game is against England 2 o'clock on the 21st of July England against India. The last time the two sides met was a 6-0 win to England. A couple of days prior to that, India beat them 2-1. Now, possibly it was I haven't seen England, I haven't seen either of those two games from the Commonwealth Games yet. Um but that will definitely be playing on the mind of both of those teams going into that first game. Now, and after the after the Commonwealth, we know that a couple of weeks ago they played the Asian Champions Trophy and and again, got some really good results. They beat Japan 4-1. Japan, just as a little side point, didn't have their strongest squad. They split the squad into two because they uh, they had a three nations in New Zealand uh, starting at the end of that Champions Trophy. So they had a mixed squad. So, but a 4-1 win is a 4-1 win. 3-1 um, in their second game um, against China. They beat Malaysia 3-2. So it's another win against Malaysia. They drew against Korea. And then they lost 1-0 in that final, as we mentioned earlier on. Um, and in that final, India didn't really look as if they could uh, They could give any more. You're talking about one, two, three, five games. Uh, and in the fifth game, it looked as if they couldn't give any more. Now, of course, we don't know what their training schedule was like going into that competition. We don't know what their loading was like, what sort of uh, uh, fatigue they were playing under. Uh, similarly the Commonwealth Games but there's a definite trend there that in that final game I haven't, as I say I haven't seen that last Commonwealth Games game but a 6-0 probably means that um, either England were incredibly efficient or um, they were India couldn't really uh, give any more gas to, to, get, uh, to get back into the game and similarly I did see that Asian Champions Trophy final and and they just didn't look as if they could could hold hold on to the ball uh, for for dear life. Now coming up, they got five games. Um, well, five games scheduled, uh, and that's five games against Spain next week. Uh, so on Monday, I'm travelling to Madrid, and our first game's on Tuesday. Um, apart from that, officially on the uh, on the match centre, there's nothing. So we'll see. Um, but. Their performances have definitely improved since the round three last year. There's no doubt about it. They've, got, they've, had, they've beaten some top sides. Now, it doesn't matter what the situation is. A win is a win. And it's important to recognise that. And, and we definitely have that in mind next week going into these test games, knowing that it's a test game. Uh, it's not the competition. But... Uh, it's important that you're respectful of your opposition at all times, and especially sides that have beaten uh, England. They've beaten South Africa. Um, they've beaten uh, Japan, China. They've beaten Korea this year as well. Uh, they're a side that knows how to win. Maybe they're just lacking that small bit of consistency, and hopefully for them, that'll click into place for the World Cup. And then we're looking at the USA. So USA... Um, had well an incredible round three in South Africa last year. They finished first. Um, I think I believe they they won on shootouts against uh, um, against the against the Germans. Uh, let's have a look on here. Yep, they won three two on shootouts. Now uh, I watched that game live, and um, uh, I'm sure people will correct me, but however, I think Germany were pretty in control of that final. And there was a stroke given to the States at the end of the game, uh, which got them back into it, and they won on shootouts. Now, you win the games how you win the games. They won the gold medal. 
and and that's all it that's all that matters in, at the end of the day. And you have to say they were playing they were playing the final. They're a decent side. They're well well worked. We know we were speaking with Yannicka the other week. Uh, if you listen to the episode with her, um, they're a side that works hard. And since two thousand and fourteen, well, and prior to that, when he started picking up their really picking up their game, they had a brilliant World Cup in two thousand and fourteen, and just went from strength to strength there. Perhaps in the Olympics had a slightly disappointing uh, set of results, but then stepped back into it in the Pan Ams, stepped back into it in uh, in the round three last year. And in, then in the round four, mm, I, I, I haven't actually looked at their squad, but they finished seventh. Again, we know round four is for testing players out traditionally. So that's pro- I'm guessing that's probably what they did. Um, and seventh in the round four, I mean, does it... Does it really mean anything because you're just playing for a couple more ranking points here and there? You've already qualified for the World Cup. You had, you know, the, where teams really compete is at the round threes. Um, now, they uh, having spoken to Yannicka uh, the other week, uh, one of the points that she uh, was concerned about was uh, the the competition that they have, and so far this year they've played twelve games, and that's. Uh, that's fantastic for those girls, in my my opinion. They've had four against Holland. Um, they lost all four. Um, 4-0, 7-2, 7-1 and 2-1. You've got some heavy score lines there. But again, when you get into the competition itself, you forget about those score lines. You really do. Uh, with Spain, we've had some heavy score lines against the Dutch. Like last year, we played them in, in January. We had some close games. We also had some games where I think they put five past us. But then you get into the competition, you play them in first game in the Euros, and you, I, mean, I think we lost 3-1, but I believe we were one all going uh, definitely in the third quarter, and if I remember rightly, maybe going to the fourth quarter. There was so many games since then, I I'm sorry, I can't remember. Um, then they played four against Canada, um, where they lost 4-3, they lost 2-1, uh, they lost 2-1 and they drew 3-all they are for me very surprising results um, again I don't know the context I don't know what type of team Canada bought what type of team the States bought, uh, played in those games maybe back in February I don't know what the training loads were However, the, if you just look purely at the results they're surprising for, for anyone um, and it makes me uh Makes you think that when, for example, we play Canada uh, in July in preparation for the World Cup uh, as Spain, uh, we're going to have some tough opposition there, and and I'm looking forward to it because it'll give us some a good build, a good lead into the World Cup. And then they played in April. They played four games against Chile, so they drew two all. They won six nil. They won five one, and they drew one all. Um, and they. And Chile are going from strength to strength with their coach, uh, Cachito Vigil. Um, he is the previous uh, coach of, or is a previous coach of Las Leonas from Argentina. I think he may have been the coach that actually set up the idea of Las Leonas. He, an incredibly motivated and motivational guy. And Chile, having reached the, um, the finals of the Pan Ams last year, um, demonstrating that they are uh, a side to be reckoned with at the moment in, in international hockey. And again, we look, we have another team with no games coming up, no official games coming up. And, or apart, yeah, no official games, but then you know, when we go to London, we're, we're playing a, a training game against them. Um, we'll, they'll have a training slot, we'll have a training slot, we'll put them together uh, one after the other and we'll play against them. Um it may be a shortened version. Maybe sometimes teams just play three quarters uh, of a game in those instances, or they or they may play whatever you want to just to get the best out of your situation. But as it stands on the on the match centre, they got no games coming up, which is surprising. Uh, I'm surprised that side like the states don't have any official games coming up, um, and won't have had any official games from in May, June or July. Um, so I'm guessing they've probably got a couple games on the sly in there uh, when they come over to, to Europe. Now we're coming into the last team of Pool B. 
Ireland. Now, Ireland uh, have some ups and downs in their competitions. They finished seventh in the round three last year, playing some good hockey. Um, and since then, uh, they then played the Euros uh, and competed well, but maybe just ran out of juice at the end of, com- end of the competition. Uh, they came over to Spain. We played the Three Nations uh, before uh, before Christmas. Um, they then came back to Spain earlier on this year, and we played four games. So that was a uh, so Ireland lost the first one seven nil. They won the second one two nil. They lost the third one three one, and they won the fourth one three two. So again, uh, some mixed results there. Uh, and I know for a fact that Ireland were playing with a few injured or playing without players through to injury at that point. Um, Ireland traditionally are a side that are uh, very energetic and have some brilliant group stages. I remember their group stage in 2015 in round three in Valencia. And I believe they finished second in that group. Um, and they were fantastic. And they've gone on to repeat uh, those sorts of games over, uh, since uh, since that time. However, just uh, seem to uh, just lack that final bit of consistency at the end of the competition. Um, they've also played three games against Scotland this year, so uh, one all three, one nil, six two, and five one. Um, and their um, their games coming up, they've got a minimum of six. And I say that because they've got three against Canada next week, and we know, as we mentioned. Um, Canada have already played uh, the States um, and uh, there are some quite uh, interesting results there um, but Canada aren't in the World Cup they're coming over they're, play- they're getting the opportunity to play against sides who are here preparing for the World Cup but then they're playing one game against Germany at the end of June and then on the match centre it says they've got games against Japan but to be decided how many games uh, so that's at the beginning of July, and that that's probably because Japan haven't decided how long they're going to be in Ireland, how long uh, how long they're going to be in Holland, how long they're generally going to be in Europe before the World Cup, how soon they want to get to England, um, because well uh, sometimes these things take time to to sort out. So Ireland have got a minimum of we're going to look at uh, eight games, minimum of eight games. So we're going to assume they've definitely got one game against Japan. So it's three against Canada one against Germany, uh, one against Japan, and they've got a three nations that they're organising with Chile and Italy in the second week of July. That's a minimum of eight games they're going to play. Um, and that's a that's pretty good pretty good build-up into, into the competition. Um, some varied opposition. You're looking at, uh, you've got uh, North Americans, you've got Europeans, you've got Asians, you've got South Americans, and uh, that's a, a good mixture of playing styles to get you into the competition. Now, my predictions for this Group B, uh, I I think it will be tougher than perhaps most people think. Um, I think in the end, uh, England and the States will take the top two spots. But if we go game by game, I think uh, England against India will be... I think we'll be taken by England. I think the experience that both teams have accumulated against each other in the Commonwealth Games uh, will be better taken advantage of by by the English. Um, it it will be a, a close game. It will not be a a six nil again. Um, it, it, we'll be looking at more like a two one from the group stages uh, that were in the uh, in the Commonwealths. But I think that England will have more. To give after the Commonwealth, I think India perhaps went with uh, a, what would be a stronger team than England compared to the sides that they could have taken. I think England could have taken a much stronger team, um, and I think the way that India play uh, will be easily counteracted by by England. Um, then we're looking at game two, which is straight afterwards at six o'clock. Uh, you're looking at the States versus Ireland. That will be a that will be a close game. Um, I think the States will tip, will pip it. Um, I think they'll just take it at the end. Um, but we know that Ireland have some fantastic group stages, and and they know it as well. 
Um, and given that states officially haven't got any games coming into this, um, we can only say that um, we can only guess will they have the uh, the rhythm necessary to take on that first game. Um, then you're looking at uh, the third game is four days later. So you're looking at states versus England, and that will be for me that will be the game that decides who's first and second in the group. And um, again, because of this new competition or new style of competition, it's everything to play for there. You're playing to save yourself an extra 70 minutes of hockey and the emotional baggage that comes with having to win one game to get through just to get through to the quarterfinals. So that would be a very a very close game uh, and I couldn't tell you who's going to take that. Um, and then the next game um, you're looking at on the 26th, I believe, is India against Ireland. And again, close game. Uh, close game, I think Ireland might take that. Um, I think um, they, given their group stage performances in other competitions, I think they... Um, if they defend the long passes from India well, then they got quite a lot of the game sewn up. But then it'll be about the effectiveness. India are very effective in in their in the attacking circle, uh, and if Ireland can get ahead at the beginning, I think they'll they'll probably have a good chance of winning that game. And the final game is in Pool B. You got India against USA and England against Ireland, um, and I think uh, the stakes will beat India. Uh, in that group, uh, in the, in that game, I think England will beat Ireland. I think England, with their home crowd, third game, get they've got the nerves out of the way in that first uh, game and a half, two games, and they're just going to be relaxing, having beaten the States into that final game to just play some fluid hockey, uh, not relaxing too much that Ireland will roll them over, but I I think they. England will be that just bit more effective in the circle than than, it, than Ireland will be. So that's it for this first part of the World Cup preview. Um, I'm going to leave you with these two groups, um, uh, A and B, because we're going on for over an hour now. And... Um, I'll bring you the second part tomorrow. It wasn't the plan. I was going to do uh, all of it tonight, but I actually thought it was going to be a lot quicker and realised that I can, uh, I'm can. i talking a bit uh, a bit longer about than I expected. So I'll bring you the next two groups tomorrow. Um, and in just a heads up, you're looking at Group C, Germany, South Africa, Argentina and Spain, and Group D, Australia, Japan, New Zealand and Belgium. And some cracking games coming up in those groups there. So um, hopefully, hopefully uh, you've made it all the way through this. Hopefully uh, the format's been okay. It's something I wanted to try out. Um, and um, tomorrow I'll bring you those extra two groups. In the meantime, if you want to hear more from me, um, I did an interview yesterday with the Reverse Stick podcast. Um, Matt and John phoned me up all the way from Australia. And we chatted about... Um, we talked about the fact that I did my first piece of live commentary on hockey in the Spanish League finals the other week. We chatted about this podcast in itself. We chatted about Spanish hockey, uh, both na- nationally and a bit and a bit of international stuff about how I got into Spanish hockey. Um, so if you're interested in that, that episode will be coming out. They normally come out on Thursdays. Um, uh, so far, I'm recording at seven o'clock and. There's nothing uh, on there yet, but uh, that's will be coming out within the next 24 hours, I'm sure. So if you want some more on that uh, or some more information about me and my hockey, get involved with them and check out their back catalogue as well. As I mentioned, this uh, episode will be the last in, in the series, but we're going to split it into two. So the second part will be coming out tomorrow and we're going to be taking three weeks off. Um, because next week we start with the national team. We, uh, I mean, as I'll go into detail tomorrow uh, about our preparation, and uh, I just, I just need a break um, because we've had end of the league season here. It's been a hectic week trying to prepare stuff uh, for next season before we go away with the national team. Of course, we're preparing for, preparing for a World Cup, 
and um, so I'm going to take three weeks off to also uh, get in or get in touch with other coaches uh, and other guests for the following season. The good thing is that because we're coming into an international season, uh, we've got lots of contact with coaches, uh, especially going into a World Cup. Uh, they're going to be around the hotel, and hopefully, I can uh, grab uh, grab a chat with some people here and there. Um, people for the for the third series, we've got. Uh, three guests uh, who are well, two of them have said they'll come on uh, two top international head coaches uh, who will be participating in the World Cup um, um, uh, got a possible third uh, coach lined up uh, who works in the Belgium Women's League and then I'll be getting in touch with other people as uh, these next couple of weeks uh, go along, and hopefully, hopefully, I'll be doing the, in- uh, the interviews live with them, uh, so there won't be any poor connections online. It'll just be us and a microphone, and, uh, and going straight into your ears uh, as a final product. Now, if you do want to get in touch with us to get some suggestions for guests or books or resources that you want me to review in the pocket podcasts or anything, any details that you want. Um, get in touch with us on Frank Hockey UK on Instagram or on Twitter. That's F R A N C H O C K Y UK. Get onto the Frank Hockey website www.frankhockey.com, or you could even get in touch with me uh, just direct with me on Twitter. Uh, it's Andrew eighty seven Wilson is my personal Twitter handle, and just. Uh, Drop me a tweet, and uh, I'll definitely get back to you. I, I, uh, I check it quite a lot because I like to keep up to date with uh, with the comings and goings in the hockey world. So, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. In the meantime, look forward to getting back to you tomorrow. Uh, take care of yourselves.